Well, good morning, Resurrection Presbyterian Church and any others who may be joining us. While it may feel nothing like it, today is what historically has been called the Sunday of Sundays, that is Easter Sunday. And normally, this is a day where we gather together with family, with friends, with other Christians, and we joyfully celebrate what God has done for us. But if you go back to the day long ago that Jesus was raised from the dead, there was actually a lot of social distancing going on. You see that Jesus' death had rocked the faith of his followers and had scared them into facing a similar death. And so we read in the gospel accounts that some were in hiding and some had gone back to their normal lives. The first Easter was actually very quiet. There was no loud music. There were no fireworks. There was no mass celebration, just an empty tomb, some quiet encounters with Jesus, and a lot of questions about what it all meant. And so today, as we are scattered all across our community, we are drawn back to that quiet morning and drawn back to consider for ourselves what it all meant. And in doing so, I want to draw our attention to a passage that we don't typically think of as an Easter message. And my hope is that this text will help us to appreciate a big part of the Easter message that we tend to take for granted. So most Easter messages that we and that I have done look back and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and what has been done, and rightly so. But what Jesus and the rest of the New Testament is clear about is that the resurrection is not the end of something, but the beginning. So Jesus' being raised from the dead set something in motion, something that is at work now, and something that will one day come to completion. You could rightly say that It's a significant moment in one large unfolding story. And this is a story that we ourselves are in. But for us, the trouble we get into is when we forget which part of the story we are in. So think about it this way. I'm currently reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to one of my boys for the first time. And it's one of my favorite stories. And at at this point in the story where we are, things don't look good. So all of the animals in Narnia are under the rule of an evil and powerful witch. All of the land is trapped in this never-ending winter where it is always winter and never Christmas. Uh, Mr. Tumnus the fawn has been captured by the witch and like so many others turned into stone. And Edmund, one of the supposed heroes of the story, has betrayed his family and gone to be with the White Witch. And if that wasn't enough, there are wolves on the hunt for the rest of our heroes, Peter and Lucy and Susan and the Beavers. But all is not lost. Even when it looks like all is lost, they still have hope because there is an ancient legend that goes like this. Wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. At the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, 
we shall have spring again. And so they are looking and waiting and searching for the true king to come and put all things right in Narnia. Now, just because right now in in my reading of it, we're at a hard place in the story where things look really bad for Narnia, that doesn't mean we put the book down and say, what a terrible story. No, we keep on reading because we know that this story has a good ending. In the first passage that you all read together this morning from Revelation 21, you were given a glimpse, even just a small glimpse of the good ending of the story that we are in. And what do we see? We see God coming to live with his people in a way like never before. We see every tear being wiped away. We see no more crying, no more pain, and no more death. These are gone. It says these things have passed away. And that is the end of our story. And it is a very good ending. But it is also a very different place from where we are right now in this unfolding story. Because our place right now is much harder and is much more painful. Listen to these words that Paul says that are printed in your guide. This is from Romans 8, beginning in verse 18. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Our story, the story of those who belong to Jesus, has a very good ending. But we are not at the end of our story. And if we don't understand where we are in the story, then we are going to be constantly disappointed and bitter and angry and in danger of despair. We are in the middle. And listen to how our place in this story is described. Suffering, futility, bondage, and groaning. Suffering, it's a place of hardship of pain, of loss, of grief, of difficulty, all the things that we do not like. Our suffering doesn't mean that we've messed up or that God has failed. Our suffering means that we are not yet at the end of this story. Futility. Futility means that things don't work like they should. Things are always breaking down on us. We know this to be true in our relationships, in our work, in our bodies, Disappointment is a part of life that we all feel 
in this part of the story. Bondage. To be in bondage means to be trapped. You can't get out no matter how hard you try. And Paul talks about being in bondage or trapped to decay. What he means by this is everything around us, ourselves included, will die one day. It was not meant to be this way, but because of our turning away from God, death is a part of humanity's story. Now, there are some who will go as far to have their bodies frozen after they die in the hopes that one day humanity will have a cure for death and that then they can be brought back to life and be free from this bondage to decay. And we can sympathize with that desire, but we also know deep down that that's not the solution, that something greater is needed. And finally, groaning. The the image Paul gives here is a woman in labor about to have a baby. And many of you listening have personally gone through this, and others have watched. The pain is real. And it's there because something good is being brought about. And that's Paul's point. While this time is painful, something new, even in the midst of all of this suffering, is being birthed. New creation, new hope new life. Through the resurrection of Jesus, new life is breaking through here and now. New creation is happening in us and around us. It is happening in part now, but in fullness later. That's what Paul means by this word, the first fruits of the Spirit. So if you're a farmer, the first fruits are the very beginning of of the harvest. And it means two things. First, it means you can enjoy some of the harvest right now. But second, it means that there is so much more to come and you will have to wait to enjoy that. And so we live right now in this strange in-between time with both joy and suffering, with both peace and chaos, with both freedom and bondage, with both gladness and groaning. And how do we live during this strange in-between time? There are two words that Paul gives us in verse 24 and 25, wait and hope. He says, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all for who hopes for what they already have. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Every one of us is in a time of waiting right now. We're waiting to see the people that we care about. We're waiting to get out of the house. We're waiting to go back to our favorite restaurant. We're waiting to not be afraid of getting sick. Waiting for kids to go back to school. Waiting to see what the economy will do. We're all waiting for life to get back to normal, whatever normal means for you. So for you right now, what are you waiting for? What are you looking forward to? We are meant to be a forward-looking people. That's called hope. It's a good thing. When we hope for something, it means we don't currently have it. We don't see it. It's not ours at the moment. That's why it's called hope. Basically, right now, we don't have this fullness that we so badly want and that we were made for but it's coming, and that is our hope. 
Hope is always future-oriented. Hope says we believe that God has promised something very good for us, and we believe that he will be faithful to keep his promise. Hope also says we believe that something good is coming and we will wait. We will wait patiently for that time to come. And let me, let me close by challenging us all with this. This Easter, let's make our hope bigger than just life returning to normal. It's good to want to move past all this. It's good to want to go back to normal. But there is something much better in store for those who belong to Jesus that we are meant to look forward to and to place our hope in. It is a hope that will sustain, that will strengthen, and that will never let us down. Which leads Paul to say, I consider that our present sufferings right now are not even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So this is our hope that was said by a pastor long ago. Our bad things will turn to good. Our good things can never be lost. And the best things are yet to come. And so on this Easter Sunday, may we hope in this good news. May we wait patiently for the good ending to our story. And may we share with others about our hero and our faithful Savior who makes it all a reality through his death and through his resurrection for us. Amen.